gang, you're listening to the R&R Rounds podcast. I'm Jonathan Wallace, and today we have another gunshot wound episode, because what red-blooded Emerge Doc does not like to hear stories about gunshot wounds? Anyway, our seven regular listeners will remember episode 32 in my conversation with Adrienne Stedford, the queen of rural penetrating trauma. She's back again for another interview. Well, I'm back with Adrienne, my good friend here from rural BC. Adrienne, just remind us who you are and where you work. Yeah, so I'm Adrian Stedford, and I am a full-time emergency physician in a rural community in BC. I also work in some smaller communities doing locum work, but our community is actually, we're about three hours from our closest tertiary center. We're well supported here with general surgery and anesthesia and obscine backup. Perfect. And just to clarify, you're three hours by road, but by air, it's a completely different game because you're in BC and weather reigns supreme when you're trying to fly people around in BC. (laughs) All right, Adrian, you're becoming my gunshot wound expert because in Canada, we have so few gunshot wounds that we see in emergency just because of where population is and because of our gun control laws. So it's rare to see this stuff. I mean, I did multiple weeks of trauma rotations in Vancouver when I was doing residency, and we never had anything significant. I think I mentioned before, the the biggest gunshot wound I've ever seen was a BB gun injury to a palm, which I ended up having to call plastics for because I was worried about a tendon injury. So really nothing compared to what could potentially be seen. But here you are now, eight months into your practice, and you've seen three significant gunshot wounds, right? Yeah, well, one we didn't really get to see. We got the patch in about, um, it was one of my colleagues on, and I was coming on after, but unfortunately the patient didn't make it to the hospital, so. Ah, yes, okay. And that's often the way too, but yeah, okay, fair enough. So I take it back, you've, you've personally laid eyes on two significant gunshot injuries, and you were kind enough to record an episode uh, previously about the gunshot injury to the neck, episode 32, I want to say. And today we're having a chat about the other one. So tell us a story. Yeah, so this was a daytime shift. So department fully sort of stocked and I was coming on. And the first thing a nurse (laughs) said to me as I walked into the apartment was, we have a gunshot wound that just came in and went straight to the scanner. So I thought, oh, (laughs) oh boy. (laughs) So my colleague who was on ahead of me had taken this patient straight to the scanner. And actually, after I sort of got myself set and ready, um, they were wheeling back into the department and I received handover. So the way it works for us for getting our our CT scans is, especially in the daytime, it's quite quick because our staff is in-house. We can often sort of launch and get our patients down there immediately. But the reads, we have somebody reading. Sometimes it's an in-house radiologist that we have who's here certain days of the week. And then sometimes we have to go through Vancouver. So in this situation, we had our usual local radiologist, which is much faster, which was great. So the patient came back and I received handover. We were kind of doing a a full assessment on the patient. But uh, the rationale for going straight to the scanner was the location of this gunshot wound. So easily identified entry and exit wound. The entry wound was from the upper leg kind of thigh and the exit was through the buttock. So the big concern with this is that it's gone through the pelvis and there are some critical blood vessels in the pelvis. (laughs) One or two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we had, you know, initiated 
blood and everything. Sorry, let me just interrupt you for a second. Can you give us the patient demographics and what the backstory was? Yeah, he was a male in his 30s. Had And actually, this one, I never learned the circumstances for the gunshot wound. But yeah, it wasn't, a, I don't believe it was like a random shooting. You think this was gang related? I think so. Uh, yeah. Again, I didn't sort of get the, the full history on this one in terms of the context of it. Yeah. No worries. Okay, so you have this 30-year-old fellow who has a entry wound through his thigh out through his buttocks or the other way around? Yes, through the thigh and out through the buttocks was our suspicion of how this had happened. And the patient was very agitated as well, which made it challenging, not giving us a great history, very restless, and we were suspicious of some intoxication on board. Wow, okay. So how did you manage this guy? He's not really that cooperative. You've got a CT scan. He's bleeding, presumably. How did you manage this guy? So immediately, you know, we already had the IVs in. Our team had done that as soon as he had entered the building. I think EMS had one, and then we got our two large bore IVs, which is sort of standard. And we immediately started transfusing blood for him as well. We could see blood coming out of the wounds. And my colleague worked on the thigh wound, and I did some flushing, and I worked on the buttock wound to get that closed up. So we're just trying to get control of the blood loss. Again, not knowing how significant it was, um, but we did quickly get our call that told us there were no major blood vessels penetrated. So that was great news. <laughs> but we already had blood being transfused and everything at that point. Because that, that is the big concern in that area, you know, is, yeah, are, are we looking at like an arterial bleed? We, we could feel pulses. So the patient did have pulses in the lower extremity. So we were optimistic, but still certainly very concerned. Gotcha. What were the initial set of vitals? Uh, he was tachycardic, about 120s. And actually that settled fairly nicely when we got sort of better pain control on board. And I think he settled out around kind of in the 110s. Yeah, at that point, I mean, we had blood and everything being transfused. And then his his breathing was slightly increased just because of his agitation. And blood pressure was stable throughout, actually. He was never hypotensive. He got lower. So we used fentanyl for analgesia on him. And his pressures did go down into kind of, it was like 100 over 60 or so, but that was the lowest it got. And we just assumed that was partly because of our analgesia we were using. For sure. Yeah. So really relatively stable throughout this whole time, which again, these are all indications that even though we're very concerned about a critical bleed, we had lots of indications in his clinical picture that things were okay. Yeah. You know, listening to this, because obviously I haven't seen pictures of where the injuries were, but when I think about entry into the thigh out through the buttock, I worry that the bullet may have traveled through the pelvis and is potentially causing damage to the colon or some sort of bowel. But the CT verified that was not the case. Yeah. The thing about it too is these bullets, they, they leave debris and the debris goes all sorts of different directions as well. So, you know, there's also the male genitalia in that region. There were lots of considerations. And in this case, the bullet had gone through and actually disrupted some of the acetabulum, which I still don't know if I totally understand the exact trajectory, but there was a whole lot of debris just sitting kind of on the anterior lateral pelvis. Wow. There was bullet debris that we could see on the x-ray. So by debris, you mean parts of the bullet that have broken off? Yeah, like metallic pieces. Yeah. Was he shot by a handgun then? I thought it was a shotgun, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know the what caliber it was or anything like that. Gotcha. 
when you listen to trauma surgeons in the U.S. or whatever talk, it's always about, you know, what kind of gun, what kind of bullets. And I don't understand the first thing about that. But at a very simple yeah. level, I can appreciate the difference between a shotgun and a handgun. And it's interesting that you were seeing this metallic debris as well. Yeah. And I've, I've seen it once before, actually, during my residency training. I had seen a, another gunshot wound, actually. And it was a gentleman who had had, the story was he had had the gun in his pocket, was intoxicated and accidentally fired it into his kind of general groin area. Again, he missed all the critical structures, but we did see debris of the bullet of that one sort of in and around the genitalia area, which was kind of a learning point of how much damage these bullets can do. I mean, it's not just the line that they're going through. There's anything in the general area is at risk. My understanding is that the bullet, as it travels through the tissue, will actually create a bit of a concussion wave around it. And so even though the bullet is only, say, the diameter of your little finger or something, the actual zone of damage around that trajectory may be multiple times wider. And then, of course, you can have the trajectory change. So it doesn't necessarily go straight through your body like a laser beam would it is going to potentially ricochet off of things or it begins to get a spin. And so it does like a little bit of a boomerang kind of arc on it as well. So mm -hmm. gunshot wounds can be. Which may have been the case in this one, actually. Like when I think about it, it did hit bone because there was damage to the acetabulum. And when I think about it, trying to figure out the trajectory of the bullet, it would make sense that it probably did change direction. And maybe it was with the bone. For sure. The hitting of the bone or, yeah. Yeah. I think it just underlines the importance of making sure that we really get some good advice from a trauma surgeon or whomever before we think about potentially discharging a fairly straightforward injury. I know that there's a movement with some of the country's top trauma surgeons to keep straightforward gunshot injuries, maybe a through and through in a limb or something, to keep them in the rural community rather than tie up resources to transfer them across a province. Yeah. But I think when it comes time to the central part of the body, certainly anything in the head, thorax, abdomen, pelvis region, we have to be very, very careful. So for me, as someone who knows so little about this, I think just getting advice from that receiving physician as to what to do is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things about this case and just, you know, gunshot wounds in a story and you don't have a, a good historian and you don't know exactly what's going on. One of the things I, I thought about this case too was, it's very easy to get sort of focused on the big obvious wound. And so gunshot wounds in particular, are always looking for not only the entry, but the exit. And if there is an exit wound, bullets can certainly get lodged in the body. But also considering that there might be a second one. And I think about this in this case, because, you know, we'd got the patient to the scanner right away, which is good. But when the patient came back and I went to go work on this buttock wound, there was, you know, a, a huge soaked, blood soaked sort of gauze and towel beneath him because before taking him to the scanner, there hadn't really been source control to try to control that bleeding area. Right. And I think it's possibly easy to forget about wounds on the backside and that they are bleeding and you need to control that. And then also thinking, you know, making sure that you log roll and you make sure you don't see any additional injuries because it would be very easy to get focused on one site and yeah, not notice another area that's actively bleeding and causing problems. Yeah. Interesting case. So in most of the places I work, which are a lot smaller than the more regional center you work in, this person would be going to the city. First of all, we don't have a CT scanner in the places I typically work. 
But second of all, you've got an injury complex that's caused some damage inside the pelvis. But for you, did you end up transferring this person or did they end up being managed in your community? Yeah, so we had from our tertiary center, the trauma team and orthopedic team because of the bony injury, they were aware of the patient. And because the patient was so stable, they actually advised us to keep him overnight. And the orthopedic surgeon wanted to reassess what they could do surgically for this patient with the team in the morning. So the patient was admitted to our hospital for close observation, and then with the plan to touch base with the orthopedic team in the morning. I think it was just such an unusual sort of injury to the acetabulum there that they weren't kind of sure what surgically they would be doing for it. That makes sense. Patient from a stability standpoint, the the decision to transfer a patient out is often made around the ability to manage the complications of the trauma that they have. Um, and we do have surgeons in our center, so we do keep some of our trauma patients yeah, if, they, if we think we can manage Absolutely. anything that we'd be watching for. No, it, that's, that's one of the huge perks of working in a, a center like yours. I've said it before on a previous episode, I'll say it again. This particular community, which we're not going to announce on the podcast just for patient confidentiality, often there is opportunity to locum and uh, potentially uh, some permanent positions there. Beautiful part of British Columbia, lots of activities around, great place to go. If you are keen on emergency medicine, you are looking for pathology. I'm familiar with most communities in British Columbia and have been so for many, many years. And this particular community where Adrian comes from is one of the most interesting, exciting places, despite being a smaller regional hospital. I would think it would be a fantastic experience. So keep that in mind. And uh, you can certainly always contact us through the podcast. You just go to podcast.rnrrounds.ca, drop us a note, and I'm happy to get you in contact with Adrian if you'd like to learn more. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, Adrian, any final thoughts about this particular case or gunshot wounds and their management in resource-limited settings? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered it. It's, it's really all about, yeah, getting the patient to the level of care that they need, making sure they're stable. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. We will look forward to talking to you about the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> The RNR podcast is free, open access medical education. This episode was hosted by Dr. Jonathan Wallace and Dr. Adrian Stedford. Show notes by Heather Lean, editing by Dr. Logan Haynes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And remember to check out the show notes for more clinical pearls. Visit podcast.rnrrounds.ca.